How many of you brought your Bible this morning? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building this morning? I asked this earlier. So how many of y'all got a new Bible? Anybody get a new Bible for Christmas? All right, there's several. Uh, let's see, this section over here is right with God. And let's see, this one's not. And I know that one. And I know another. Yeah, over here. Okay, we got one. Okay. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for bringing your Bible. Let's open our Bibles if, this morning, if you will, to the book of Acts in the New Testament this morning, Acts chapter 23, uh, page number 1181. And I'll read a verse here in just a moment, a phrase of a verse, but I want to use the chapter, if you will allow me to this morning, uh, just to bring a thought as we close this year and begin a new year. All right, Acts chapter 23. While you're finding your place there, I will invite you along with Brother Zach to join us for our service this evening at uh, 530 and, of course, prayer room at 5.05. Hope you'll be here for that and then the service at 5.30 and be much in prayer. I want to end up right. I started out in church this year, and I want to end up, end up right and being in church this year. And, and, of course, starting off next year, I want to start off right, Lord willing. If I'm healthy and able to get here, I want to be in church next Sunday morning. Bring my stewardship offering with me. Bring my stewardship offering with me. Bring my stewardship offering with me. And uh, just come on to church, have a good time, and, uh, and uh, just to start the new year off right as well. So I hope you'll do that. Be much in prayer for our services uh, next Sunday as well. All right, Acts chapter 23. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. You know, if I were to say that the year 2020 has been a weird year, that'd probably be the understatement of all time. I can honestly say, you know, I've had some bad times in my life. But I think this is the first bad year. You know, I've had some periods of time that have been dark and bad. But, I mean, it seems like this year we have just gone from one thing to the next thing. And, by the way, that's not just true of my life. That's true of your life and everyone else in here as well. All of our lives in this room this year have somehow been affected by all the events that have taken place this year. Could I take you for just a moment? Could I take you on just a little bit of a stroll down memory lane of this year? Because in this year, we have seen things just like that right there. Now, if you were to have asked me back in January what that was, I would have probably said that's some outer space planet up yonder with a bunch of Martians running around on it because that's what I would have thought that was back in January. But now we know differently. We know that's a coronavirus. And boy, I'll tell you what, that, that, that virus, something that we cannot even see, has brought our nation, brought almost the whole world to a screeching halt. Back when that thing hit full force back at the end of February, 1st of March, the economy tanked, people lost their jobs. For months, weeks and months, I preached to an empty auditorium and we went to church on computer. Uh, grocery store shelves were empty. There was no toilet paper, no paper towels, no Lysol. I'm telling you, man, when that thing hit, it brought us to a point that I had never seen us at before. We had the coronavirus uh, to deal with this year. Then what about this? We had all these problems, the rioting and the looting and the, and the political upheaval that's gone on in our nation this year. I've never seen a time, I understand back in the 60s, but I, I wasn't really old enough to understand it all back then. But I promise you this, man, our nation has literally, can I say it like this? It's lost its mind. 
in, in this year. I mean, people throwing cinder blocks through windows and looting and burning buildings and turning over cars and shooting police officers. And I'm telling you, this year has been a year of much civil unrest in America. I mean, we've seen that. Aren't they still in Portland, Oregon? I mean, what day are we now? Day 1914 of, of rioting in the city of uh, Portland, Oregon. I could fix that in a second if they'd let me. But that's going on in our nation. Then what about this? And I, I told the early service, Lord, once again, forgive us for putting up a picture of Nancy Pelosi on the screens in the house of God. The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Right there it is. And I'm so sorry, Lord. I had nothing to do with this, Father. Forgive them who put it up. They know not what they did. But our president was impeached this year. I mean, years and years of accusations and innuendos and, and charges that were brought against the president only to find when it was all said and done and the smoke had settled and the dust had cleared, he's innocent of everything. But they impeached our president this year. Then couple that with this, a year of a presidential election. I'm telling you all the months leading up to that, the debates, the non-debates, the commercials, the slander, the mudslinging, all of that went on in 2020 as well. And then with all those big ticket items that I've just mentioned here, if we're not careful, we'll forget the smaller things like this. The most active hurricane season that we've ever had since they've been keeping records. 30 named storms in the Atlantic Ocean, not counting those that were in the Pacific Ocean. And you got to feel a little bit sorry for those people along uh, the, 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 the uh, Gulf of Mexico coast down there, especially those in Louisiana. Four storms just back to back to back that hit their coast. And many of them, while we were sitting in the comfort of a nice home, celebrated their Christmas in a tent this year. I'm telling you, an active and active hurricane season to such that we've never seen before in 2020. And then what about this? What about all those wildfires out in California and other states? And how many thousands of people lost their homes and hundreds of people that were killed by all of that? And I mean, those fires just went on and on and on for months and months, and people lost everything that they had. 2020, a year of unprecedented wildfires out west. And then, if we're not careful, we forget this right here. <laughs> the murder hornet arrived in America this year as well. That's right, out on the West Coast, the, the Chinese not only sent the COVID, they sent the hornets in among us. And uh, they were here, and they're threatening to destroy the entire bee population in America. And then, what about this? The swarms of locusts that hit the African continent. And they said it was going to upset the ecological system in our, in our world. It was going to cause great trouble over the world because those crazy things just ate everything over in many of those countries on the continent of Africa. But then I saved the worst thing for last. Look up on the screen. Prince Harry and Meghan left the royal family. 2020, I am only in day 33 of 100 days of mourning over that. It's been a crazy, a crazy year. It's been exhausting. 
just to see what was going to happen, one thing after another. Every time the, the, the dean goes off on the phone that says there's new news, like yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before when it dinged and I looked and some, somebody has detonated a bomb in an RV in downtown Nashville, of all places, Nashville, Tennessee, and destroyed all those buildings. Has this been a crazy year or what? Well, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. I can't wait till 2020 is over. Have you heard that off? You probably even said it. I know I've said that this year. In fact, if I had $5 for every time I've heard that, we'd all go out to eat at McDonald's after church today. And it's on me. I'm telling you, the one thing that we've said over and over again, we can't wait till this year is over. Well, if that's your wish, it's about to happen. In four and a half days, 110 more hours, 6,600 minutes... This year will officially be over. But now here's the thing. I don't think any of us in here are so naive to think that we're going to wake up on Friday morning and all of this mess is going to be in the past. I don't think any of us in here are, are expecting to flip a page on a calendar and think, okay, everything's better. The world is now a better place to live. Because let me tell you what's true. Friday morning, the coronavirus is still going to be here. Friday morning, we're still going to be staring down the gun barrel of an inauguration of a president that 67% of Americans don't think he won to start with. On Friday morning, there's still going to be political upheaval and civil unrest in America. This coming May, wildfire season's going to roll right back around again. This coming June, hurricane season's going to ramp back up again. I've said all that to say this, it ain't over yet. Just because we turn the page on a calendar doesn't mean that things are going to automatically get better. Aren't you glad you come to church this morning? Here we was thinking, man, it's going to be great, going to be wonderful, brand new year. So this morning, if you're depressed out of your mind, I want to preach on this thought right here. Good cheer for a new year. Good cheer for a new year. I want to stop and read you one part of a verse and then I'll explain it in just a moment. But look at chapter 23 of the book of Acts and verse number 11. The Bible said this, And the night following, the Lord stood by him, stood by Paul, and he said this, Be of good cheer. Now, what, what I've just read to you is the words of the Lord Jesus that he spoke to a follower of his, a child of his, by the name of old Paul. Now, if you were to go back to Acts chapter 9, without doubt, the greatest outside of the birth of Christ and the death, the life, the resurrection, the ascension, uh, outside of all that, the greatest event that no doubt happened in our New Testament was the conversion of old Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. And then in Acts chapter number 13, kind of Saul just takes over the book of Acts and the rest of the book of Acts is about the travels of, of, of the Apostle Paul. And when we first meet him, what he is, he's a pioneer. And he's going from city to city, uh, and he's preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved, and churches are being established because he is a pioneer. He's blazing a trail with the gospel, and boy, is God moving in a marvelous way until we come to Acts 21. And in Acts chapter 21, Paul the pioneer becomes Paul the prisoner. 
And for the rest of the book of Acts, Paul is going to be a prisoner. He'll no longer be traveling from city to city, preaching the gospel, winning souls and establishing churches. I mean, for the rest of the book of Acts, beginning with chapter 21, he's going to go from jail to jail, appearing before one judge, one dignitary after the next, because he's been thrown into jail. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, what in the world did he do to be thrown into jail? I bet he embezzled some money. I bet he took off with somebody's wife. I, I bet he did something terrible. No, no, and no. Let me tell you what he did to get thrown into jail. Preach the gospel. He was preaching the gospel and he had a burden, a tremendous burden to see his kin people, his, his nation get saved. So he goes back to the city of Jerusalem against the advice of some very godly people. But because of his burden, he goes back to the city of Jerusalem. He walks into the temple. The first thing that happens while he's there praying, they recognize him. The Bible said they run upon him. They, they start jerking him. They black his eye, bloody his nose. They almost pull him apart until if it hadn't been for a Roman guard there around the temple, they would have killed old, uh, the old apostle Paul. They would have killed him right there in the temple in the house of God. And you think people fuss and fight in church in our day. They would have killed him. You say, preacher, why were they so mad at him? Well, you got to remember that old Saul was once one of them. Saul once persecuted the faith. He once, he once put those to death that loved and served the Lord Jesus. But then Saul met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And buddy, he got gloriously saved and he started preaching the faith that he once persecuted. And buddy, when that happened, that old crowd of his, those old friends turned on him in a, in a second and became his fierce enemy to the point that they wanted Paul dead. In fact, in Acts chapter 23, if you look in this text this morning, Paul is sitting in jail. The verse that I read to you, he's sitting in prison once again. And when the Lord showed up, and what happened was in verse chapter 23, he is uh, appearing before another dignitary, another judge, so to speak, uh, to plead his case. And he began speaking, verse, verse 1, the Bible said, And Paul earnestly beholding the council, the Sanhedrin said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. And I mean, he just, you know what he's going to do? Once again, he's going to stand up in front of everybody. He's going to start telling his story again. He's going to start telling about how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus one day. He's going to start telling about what Jesus has done in his life. He's going to start telling about what Jesus wants to do in their life. By the way, can I stop and say, don't you think we all need to recommit ourselves to telling our story this coming year? You know, because of this corona and all that's happened in 2020, I'm afraid instead of us becoming more vocal about our faith, more vocal about the gospel and, 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 and Jesus, we've actually withdrawn. We're just almost to the point where we're, saying, we're just glad to be back in church again. And we forgot there's still a world out here is going to hell who needs to hear our story. You've got a story. I've got a story. If you're a child of God, you've got a story about how you came to Jesus, what he's done for you in your life, what he's going to do in your life, and what he'll do for others. Somebody needs to hear your story. Somebody needs to hear. I think we need to get on this altar and watch these holes and don't fall in them, but get on this altar and recommit ourselves to telling our story again. Amen. Amen. Paul was telling his story. And once again, as he told his story, if you'll look at verse number 10, man, they assault him again. The verse number, 20, uh, verse number 10 said this, lest, uh, 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 the Bible said, when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, 
In other words, man, they're grabbing him again. They're trying to pull him apart again. And the soldiers once again run in and they grab old Paul, rescue him out of that situation. And the word of God says this, they carry him back to the castle, back to the prison. So as we come to verse 11, get this picture in your mind. I give you the message. We're going to go. Here sits Paul in a prison cell. He's only guilty of one thing, loving Jesus and loving others. His greatest charge, the greatest charge that can be brought against him is the fact that he's got a burden to see his, his kin people saved. And because of that, he's sitting in a, in a, in a prison cell at a, at a very dark hour at this point in his life. Can't you just see the devil jump right there on his shoulder and say, Paul, you're an idiot you should have stayed. You should have forgot that whole Jesus stuff. You should have forgot about that Damascus road. You should have just put all that away because if you had done that and you hadn't committed your life to Christ, you'd still been a very wealthy, influential member of the Sanhedrin court yourself. You would have been somebody the world would have looked up to and revered. But look at you now, sitting in this jail cell. It's black as a thousand midnights. Where has this living for Jesus stuff got you? That's exactly where Paul was at in that prison cell that night. He's human. He's just like you and me. He's probably in his mind thinking, if I get out of here, man, I'm going home to Tarsus. I've had enough of this stuff. It, I, it's, just, it's just wore me down. And yet the Bible said this, verse 11, in that midnight hour, the Lord showed up. Isn't it always just like the Lord to show up in the blackness of our midnight hour? Isn't it just like the Lord? I mean, brother, when it seems like all hope is lost, it seems like we're at the end. We can't go another step. We can't breathe another breath. I mean, we don't know what we're going to do, where to turn. Isn't it just like the Lord to show up at a time like that in our midnight experiences? Well, let me tell you something. As I look at verse 11, there are three things you and I can count on as we move into this brand new year. I was told the early service that when I was growing up, I have two sisters, one older and one younger. And my daddy used to tell me all the time, uh, now the reason, son, that I'm about to whoop you within an inch of your life is because I love you. And I used to think to my mind, Daddy, won't you ever love all my sisters like this? Why is it always me? Daddy, show them some love once in a while. <laughs> Did y'all ever get beat until the smoke alarm went off at y'all's house? And so... Not beaten, but I got whippings, man. I stayed in trouble as a boy, and it was never my fault. I don't know what happened. But I always remember when I'd go off somewhere, Mama, you know how mamas are. They threaten you before you get there. Now, you better behave yourself. You better, and, and, all, and usually I wouldn't. And on the way home, Mama would say, when I get you home. Y'all ever heard this statement before? When I get you home, you have had it. And usually, usually, if that's all she said, I could usually get out of that one. But whenever my mama said this, when I get you home, I'm going to wear you out and you write that down in your little red book. Now, when she started mentioning, talking about some book somewhere, I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no talking out of that one. And there are three things from this verse I want you to write down in your little red book this morning. As we approach this brand new year with all of its uncertainty, three things to remember. First of all, look at verse 11. Number one, as we move into this brand new year, understand this, the Lord will stand by us. The Lord will stand by us. Look at verse 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by Paul. He'll always 
stand by his people. Now I want you to understand this. You know, when you read about the Apostle Paul, you know he was always surrounded by people. There was always fellow workers around him. There were preachers around him. There were others that were around him. I mean, everywhere he went, he was almost, if I could use the word, he had like an entourage of people around him. I mean, people like Barnabas and people like Silas and people like Timothy. And he always carried Dr. Luke with him because Dr. Luke seemed to be like his own personal physician. And then he always traveled in a company of fellow believers. In fact, we know that Paul wrote 13, if not 14, of our 27 New Testament books and almost every book without fail as he ended the book he would always say hey be sure to tell so and so I said hello hey be sure to tell so and so that I send my greetings be sure to tell them I said I love them I mean he had people around him surrounding him all the time I mean he was surrounded by people by the way it's good to have others around us we need that we all need each other we need other people in our life sometimes we think we don't sometimes we think man the last thing I want to do is be around anybody right now but can I tell you something we need each other guess what I need you in some weird kind of a way, you need me. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need support. We need fellowship. By the way, that's why having a church family is so important. That's why I've been after some of y'all has been coming down here for the last 60 years to go ahead and join now. I mean, you've tried us out. You've heard us. You've seen what we're about. Now, 60 years, why don't you come on and join us? Because everybody in this church needs a place of fellowship. You need a place to belong. You need people around you who will pray for you and help you through those midnight times in your life. But now let's just face it. Sometimes others aren't around. Sometimes you pick up the phone, but there's no hello on the other end. Sometimes you reach out to touch somebody, and there's nobody there to touch. Let's just face it, people get busy. They, 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 they live, have their own lives to live. They have families to take care of, jobs they have to work, careers, things, to, things that's going on in their life. But aren't you thankful that when nobody else is around, there's nobody you can reach out and touch, aren't you glad the Lord will always stand by us? Here's old Paul sitting in prison. Nobody else is around. Timothy's not there. Barnabas is not in sight. Silas is nowhere to be found. But the one thing that you and I can just count on moving into 2021, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all that's going on, Jesus will always be there when nobody else is around. You know something? I just went through the book of Acts. And if you go through the book of Acts, you will, the one thing you'll notice about old Paul is when he, were at, at, when he was at the lowest points in his life, the Lord would just always show up. In Acts chapter 18, when he's in the city of Corinth, he's just left Athens. He's traveled 50 miles to Corinth. He, he was a failure, or at least he thought he was, in Athens. Nobody got saved. No church was started. He goes to Corinth, and again he finds out opposition and uh, they're, they're enemies to the gospel, and he probably feels like, man, I just want to quit, throw in my hands, throw up the towel, I'm done with this. But the Bible said that night the Lord appeared to him. Over in Acts 27, when he's in that terrible storm, Eurachlodon, and for 14 days he's seen neither the sun nor the moon nor the stars, and it looks like all hope is lost. The Bible said the Lord showed up that night and stood by Paul. I'm just here to tell you, when you get in your lowest point, when you get in your darkest night, look around. Somewhere the Lord's going to stand by you. 
He did that with old Paul. And he'll do that for you. And by the way, you know, they sang this morning, Brother Mark sang that Jesus is sweet Jesus, and he is. And Miss Marcy sung about, oh, how great the love of our God is, and it is. But can I tell you one more thing about Jesus? He's not just sweet. He's not just loving. He's a sympathizer, Jesus. I mean, he knows how we feel. If there was anybody that knew how Paul felt at this moment in his life, it was Jesus. You may tell you why. Just a little while before Paul stood before that council, Jesus stood before that council. Jesus stood there just as Paul was innocent of any charge they could bring against him. Jesus was innocent of any charge. He was the sinless, perfect son of God. He was innocent of any charge they could bring against him. You know, the only thing that Jesus was guilty of while he was here on this earth was five words in Acts 10, 38 that sum up the life of Christ. Five words, Acts 10, 38. See if they're not there. It says this. He went about doing good. That is a statement to be made about the Son of God. You say, preacher, what did Jesus do while he was down here? I'll tell you, bless your heart. He did good while he was here. He did good when he went to the hill. He did good when he went to hell. He did good when he went back to heaven. He was always doing good. They couldn't find anything to accuse him. They condemned him just like they condemned old Paul. Can I tell you something? Jesus could stand by Paul that night and say, Paul, I know how you feel. Paul, I've been there. Paul, I've done that. Paul, I got the T-shirt. They condemned me. They criticized me. They wanted to put me to death, or they put me to death. Paul, I know how you feel. I just want to say this this morning. I may not know how you feel. You may not know how I feel, but aren't you glad we got a Savior that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, and he knows how we feel, and he understands, and in that midnight time of our life, when all hope seems lost, he'll always stand by you. He'll always be there. Always be there. Can I have an amen? Amen, preacher. Now, if I got to stop doing my own amen, it's going to take a while. So y'all got to help me just a little bit. Amen. The Lord, number one, will stand by us. Number two, watch this in this text. Not only count, write that in your little red book now. The Lord will stand by me. But number two, write this down. The Lord will speak to me. He'll not just stand by us. He'll speak to us. Look again at our text, verse 11. The night Father and the Lord stood by him and... What's the next word? Yeah, right, you got it, said, yeah. How many of y'all are here this morning? Would you say amen? Yes, sir. <laughs> let's, let's rush through the rest of this sermon so we can go home and sleep. <laughs> he showed up. He stood by Paul, but he had something to say to old Paul. I mean, he just didn't show up. Man, he spoke. Well, aren't you glad the Lord is still speaking in these days? I mean, at this midnight hour, he had a message for Paul's midnight. Can I say this? The Lord's still speaking today. You know, the problem is not that the Lord has quit speaking. The problem, we've quit listening. Our minds are so cluttered by the garbage of this world our minds are so, are so littered by all that's going on around us that when we come to church, I mean, our goal when we come to church is to get out. If you don't believe that, look how people park. Back, they back in. Parking place. You know why? They don't want to take time to back out. They want it, man, when service is over, boom. 
I mean, we don't have time to listen to God anymore, but I promise you this, he's still speaking. Are you listening? He's still speaking. Am I listening? I think maybe one of the greatest resolutions you and I could make for this coming new year is to put ourselves in a place where we once again can hear God speak to us again. Amen. Get our hearts right with God. Get back to the place that we can, we're in tune. We got our spiritual antennas on. We can pick up on signals coming down from heaven and hear what God has to say because I promise you, He's still speaking in that still small voice in the heart of His people. God's still speaking. I thought about this. Look at this. There's a word. Look at verse 11. There's a word of cheer. Notice what he said to Paul in verse 11. He stood by him and said, and here's the first thing he said to him, be of good cheer. The word cheer, that's not something you said in unless you're from the south. Be of good cheer. It means to have hope. It means to be joyful. It means to rejoice. Paul, the Lord shows up and says, Paul, hey, rejoice, son. Paul, there's hope. Paul, I want you to have confidence. I want you to be, I want you to rejoice. Be of good cheer. I think as we move into this brand new year, the Lord says, hey, 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 I'm here. I'm standing by you. But here, don't dread it. I want you to be of good cheer. I want you to rejoice. Hey, I want you to be excited. Hey, I want you to have confidence. I want you to know there's hope out there. Be of good cheer. I don't know if you've ever noticed this in the New Testament, but there's three times in our New Testament where Jesus said, be of good cheer. I'm not talking about this text. Three times prior to this text, Jesus said, be of good cheer. Amen. Look at this first one, Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy, lying on the bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, say it with me now, be... Why? I'll tell you why. Your sins have been forgiven. <laughs> hey, aren't you glad? I don't know what's going to happen in 2021, but whatever happens, if I have to die or whatever, I want you to know I can rejoice. I can have hope. I can have confidence. You know why? Thank God, because of Jesus, my sins have been forgiven. And yours have too if you're saved this morning. By the way, if you sit here in this room and you've never been saved, or maybe you sit here and your life has got off a track in 2020 and you've got caught up things in your life that shouldn't be there, I just want to tell you there's still a God in heaven that can forgive you and a God that can say to you this morning, hey, be of good cheer. You come, you confess it, and I'll forgive you. In other words, what I'm saying is that's the be of good cheer for the sin problem. But not only did he say that for the sin problem, look at this verse, Matthew 14, 27. Now, let me tell you, before I read the verse, the, the, the disciples are in a Category 5 hurricane. I mean, it's an Isaiah on steroids. I mean, it is a hurricane of all hurricanes. Those fishermen have been out there on that sea numerous times, but they're in a state of panic. I mean, they've seen storms before. They know what it's right, like to ride out storms. But this one's something unusual about it. They're, they're bailing water. They're hoisting sails. They're doing everything they can to salvage that ship. And the Bible said about that time, here comes Jesus. He's walking on the water, and he's spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Thank God for the be of good cheer for the sin problem. But thank God for the be of good cheer for the storm problem. Are you in a storm this morning? Are you in a hurricane of hurt? 
a squall of sorrow, a storm of sickness? Are you in a tornado of turmoil? I'm telling you, is your life a wreck this morning? Are you in a storm? Can I tell you something? Be of good cheer, Jesus said. It is I. Be not afraid. But there was a third time he said that statement. And that's over in John chapter 16, verse 33, when he said this. He's told his disciples, I'm going away. You're not going to see me now. And you're in this world, and boy, is it going to be bad. And can I just say, boy, it's bad, ain't it? Can I have an amen? It's rough. Christmas wasn't even right this year. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to tell you. I ought not tell this. But I'm going to. When the family left Friday night, we took the decorations down. You know why? It's over. Oh, it was over. We was ready for it to be over. So we took the decorations down Friday night. How many of y'all still got your decorations up? Lazy, sorry, no good, stinking low down people. No, I'm kidding. Christmas didn't even feel right this year, did it? Boy, this world's in a mess. But here's what Jesus said. Last, last statement. Hey, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. <laughs> Jesus said, been there, done that. It's going to be all right. I'm in control. I'm in charge. I know Biden's going in the White House. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's a word of cheer. There's a word of commendation. Look what he said in verse 11. You've testified of me in Jerusalem. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, man, I know, Paul, you feel like you've been a failure. By the way, ever since he got back to Jerusalem, I mean, as far as the record of the Scripture is concerned, nobody's got saved. He come back there because he wanted to see him get saved. Nobody's got saved. All he's done is face death and danger. And I mean, man, uh, it's, it's a tough place. People's hearts are hard. Nobody wants to hear. They're all against him. They are antagonistic toward the, the gospel. I mean, he looks like one big failure. And Jesus said, hey, Paul, I just want to tell you, I've been listening to what you've been saying about me down there. I like it. And but can I tell you this? They ain't nowhere in, excuse my English, they ain't nowhere in that Bible where God commanded us to be successful. He just commanded us to be faithful. And can I tell you something? I wished every time I preached, thousands would flock down the aisles and get saved. But can I tell you something? God didn't command me to be successful. I wish I could pack them out like Joel Osteen. Maybe if I'd let my hair grow out and I'd get them plugs to go in, maybe I can pack them out like that. But can I tell you something? Whether I do or I don't, God didn't command me to be successful. He commanded me to be faithful. And he said to Paul, Paul, listen, man, I've been listening to you, been hearing what you've been saying about me, son. I like it. That's a word of commendation. But then there's a word not only of cheer and a word of commendation, but in this statement there is a word of certainty. In other words, Paul said there in verse 11, or the Lord said to Paul there in verse 11, hey, you're going to Rome. There's no doubt about it. Hey, Paul, you're heading somewhere. You're going somewhere. And can I say this? No doubt Paul sat in that prison that night. It was black as a thousand midnight. The devil jumped on his shoulder and said, You're done. You'll never preach again. It's over. And Jesus said, I beg to differ with you, devil. You're a liar. Get out of here. Paul, you're going to Rome. You've got some people over there you need to tell the story to as well. And can I just stop and say, Hey, we're going somewhere. You say, where are we going? Not to Rome, praise God. We're going to the New Jerusalem. We're going somewhere. How can we be morbid and 
defeated and down and out. How can we sit in church and say, Amen. Man, we ought to be, as God's people, be, so be of good cheer. We're going somewhere. There's a destination for us. It ain't over. So I'm done. So the Lord will stand by you. The Lord will speak to you. And then last of all, look at verse 11 and following. The Lord will surround, will shelter around you. Now let me tell you the story and we're done. It's 1057. So Paul is sitting in jail. And if you look there at verse 12, verse 13, and verse 14, 40 men get together and they, they put a contract on Paul's head. You remember, I mean, y'all, y'all remember Beretta that used to come on TV? Don't go to bed with the price on your head. Y'all remember? Come on right after Barnaby Jones. Y'all don't watch Beretta or something? Paul had a contract on his head. They were going to kill 40 of them. How would you like to have 40 hit men after you? I mean, they put a contract on his head. He's going to be dead. In fact, they said there in verse 12, verse 13, 14, we ain't going to eat another bite till he's dead. I mean, it's over. Forty men have got together, and then they get a plan. They say, here's how we're going to do it. Verse 14 and 15, when they bring him down tomorrow, we're going to be hiding in the bushes, and we're going to jump him, and we're going to kill him. Now, here's the thing that bothers me about that. After verse 11 of this chapter, you don't see God anywhere else in this chapter. It's like Paul, he appears to Paul, and then he just goes away. But how many of us know when you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart? He's always at work. So what happened was when these 40 men got together and said, he's going to die, we're not going to eat another mouthful till he's dead, God had a little boy there to overhear that conversation. Look at verse 16. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went into the castle and told Paul, so God had a little boy that overheard the story. The little boy went and told Paul. Paul went and told the chief captain. And if you look down at verse 23, they got 470 soldiers together and surrounded Paul and left the palace with Paul. And those 40 men were hiding in the bushes, starving to death, and were the first founding members of the Weight Watchers Anonymous Society. That's right. Somebody said, man, look at that entourage, all them soldiers. Look at that guy riding in the middle. I bet he's a prince. I bet he's a, I bet he's a king. I bet he's some important dignitary. Nah, just a Baptist preacher that God's protecting. Because until God gets through with us, we're invincible. You can't kill us. I might get corona, but if God ain't through with me, if God ain't ready to say, all right, you done, come on. If he ain't done with me, I ain't out of here yet. I, I'm going to say this with confidence. I don't mean this in a bad way, but hear me and hear me well. If somebody shot me and God wasn't done with me yet, God would say, hold on, just I, I, I'll get you well, hang on. But if he's done with me, he say, all right, come on. I'm ready. Y'all come on. I am invincible. You are invincible till God gets. So don't worry about corona. If God ain't done with you, if God ain't ready to say, oh, y'all, come on, let's go. If God, and by the way, he's getting ready to say to all of us, y'all, come on, let's go. But until he gets done with us, man, hang on. He's in control. We got stuff around us we can't even see. 
I'm talking angels. We got angels encamped around about us. We can't even see, and they're just riding us along. Somebody said, I bet he's a prince or king. No, it's just a Baptist preacher. We on the wedding side. And I got down in my notes right here. Say amen. So, so, amen. We're on the winning side. Be of good cheer in the new year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story. Thank you for the story.